Welcome back to Clueless Content. I'm Beck Joy, you know Noah, and today we have a very special guest with us, our friend Savannah. We've known, I honestly don't even know how long we've known Savannah. It's just like too long to know. Um, that's gross. And there was a hair in my teeth. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've known Savannah for quite a long time. Um, no one hit. Wow, no one her. We're in the same class, so we all went to high school together and stuff like that. And then I like went our separate ways for college. Um, so yeah, Savannah, tell us, tell us about you. Hey, Becca, Joy, and Noah. First of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This is very thrilling. Um, so yeah, um, I am a junior right now at Georgetown University in DC, um, but it's completely virtual, so I'm taking classes online. Um, I started as a classics major, but I just transferred this past year to the School of Foreign Service, where I my major is called um, regional and comparative studies, and I'm concentrating on a comparative study of Africa and Western Europe. I'm still minoring in classics. That's so. super cool. And Savannah, how was your day? What did you do? Oh, um, well, it was an ideal Minnesota day. Um, it really was. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I was kind of like feeling a little lethargic under the weather, but my little brother, Cole, who's in fourth grade, um, is doing virtual classes and he, at lunch, he was like going out for recess and he asked if I wanted to go outside with him. Oh, oh that's so cute. with my fourth grade brother and we built a snow family because the snow oh. is super sticky. That's what made it yeah. so ideal. It wasn't like the powdery, fluffy, pathetic snow. It was like real compact snow so we made a family um our dad's name is juniper <laughs> mom's name is caterpillar and the child's name is percy and so we have a snow family and wow. we're going to build a wall around them to make like a house that's, that's so, so cute awesome. oh Becca my gosh and I, when we were little with our neighbors we used to build like trenches in the snow and we would build houses so it's like a floor plan <gasps> of a house I forgot and then we that. would each like get our own room with our neighbors and then we'd have like a family room and yeah it was a good time yeah it was really awesome because we'd have these like gigantic snow banks so yeah. you could like yeah. really dig in them and then once we got bunnies we would dig like paths for them they would like go through our houses it was yeah. pretty awesome how was your day Noah um it was good I had class today um we were talking about a movie that I didn't watch because I didn't want to because it seems scary um because it called it's called contagion and it's like a bioterrorism it's, like, it's not bioterrorism <laughs> it's like um it's basically like the reality we are living in now but imagine a much more infectious and deadly virus and I was like I don't I don't need to watch that I'm living that um that's so awkward when you're living in a horror film. <laughs> <laughs> just, just making it clear here. Mm -hmm. But we did have a good conversation about epidemiology, which is what I'm interested in. I know it's fun. <laughs> that's a real, That's a fun word to say. Um, and then I had an appointment, went and drove in the snow, which wasn't that bad because <laughs> it was just like slush. Came back, watched another documentary on 
1918 Spanish flu, and now I'm here. Wow, that's fun. Yeah. Today, um, today was kind of a chill day compared to the rest of my week. I had a meeting with two of my Bible study girls, which was super fun and really good to talk to them. And then Savannah and I actually chatted for a little bit with our mutual friend, Anna, and that was so cool and really spontaneous. It was fantastic. Um, and then I talked to our younger sister for a while, and then I have Bible study later, and that's pretty much my day. Just, I don't know, this week, just every day, I have like three meetings, which is good, but... It's going to sound like when we release yeah. these weekly it's gonna sound even though it's like the same two weeks it's yeah. gonna sound like you just have meetings all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's gonna be like oh vector is on her eighth her month of meetings and this, is, this is our second to last podcast oh really i definitely thought in it was season. the third podcast wait maybe it i'm is. pretty sure it's the third oh you're right i was looking okay. at something else <laughs> i was like i'm pretty i think like theology or pony is the third one Ooh. Oh, spoiler. spoiler. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> well, today we're talking about education. Um, we thought we would have Savannah on this, um, not only because we thought she'd have some interesting thoughts, but also because we all had a similar experience since we went to the same high school. But different college, college experiences, True, different colleges. I would say. So again, we do this sometimes in the podcast, just a disclaimer that we're basing all of our stuff off of our own experience. And we can't speak to other people's experiences and um especially when it comes to education <laughs> yeah especially when it comes to education and because we all come from a very similar background um we've all been educated we've all been educators um none of us are like pedagogically trained or anything like that but we're still going to have a conversation about it and we hope that all of our listeners can engage in the conversation as well so um, how do I want to start this? So education right now looks pretty different, um, which is kind of crazy. But I think that the goal, like the root of education is still there. And today we want, I want us to kind of dive into that conversation. Um, the big broad question is what is the goal of education? We might get to answering that, but I'm going to try to like break it down a little bit for us so we don't have like spinning heads trying to answer that huge question. So I want to introduce you to Luke Harris. So Luke Harris is a high school sophomore um, from New York. He loves to tinker with um, like electronics and engineering. Um, and he actually, he built his own computer um, for himself, which is really cool. Um, I saw a picture of him in this news article um, and in front of him was just like tons of stuff, tons of like, it looks like a robotics club meeting in his room. So um, Luke Harris, um, because he's so interested in all this freshman year of high school, he took an engineering course and he was a little bit surprised and disappointed by the content. Um, he, the, the content was like blueprint, blueprint drawing and reading, prototype building. Um, and he felt like there's more to engineering than just this. And he wasn't quite sure what, but he really felt strongly that th there's more to this than just 
blueprints and prototypes. Like that's not why I love engineering. Um, so we had the opportunity in the summer to visit a biotech lab. Um, and he discovered that engineering was more than blueprints and prototypes. It was about solving problems and not just making cool gadgets. And before you can solve a problem, you also have to recognize the problem. And he realized that high school, um, high school was giving him the tools to recognize the problems, but never gave them the opportunity to, to recognize and solve a problem. Um, so before I kind of talk about how he tried to solve this problem that he noticed about education, um, I guess I'm just like, I'm curious what you all think about um, what has been your experience of education in terms of feeling like you were given tools to solve problems in your adult life? And for the purpose of this podcast, when I say education, I'm thinking primary and secondary education. Um, <clears throat> I guess something like, wait, what do you mean by problems in your adult life? Um, okay, maybe not problems, just what, what have you learned through education, through your education that has helped you in your adult life? Um, I think practical, like practical things like, uh, um, like how to study for a test or, um, even like practical things like uh what is the words managing your finances like things like that which are like okay those are kind of like two very opposite ends of the spectrum type of thing but I feel like I was never really taught about that but more how to think like how to think logically and how to see different sides of the spectrum because like I think we've talked about humane letters before um and how humane letters, especially my senior year, I had an extremely good class. Um, and we were just really respectfully able to have conversations when we were like on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and so I feel like it helped me learn how to think logically and rationally and like let my emotions get in a conversation, but like not let them control the conversation. I really like that. I like the idea of that. I think humane letters especially is really good at helping us tie in our emotions and to use our intellect to flesh out exactly like, or to use our intellect and our emotions together to see the world. Although I'd actually argue that um, my, at least my experience of secondary education didn't give me a problem solving lens of seeing the world. I think that, um, I think, let's see. So we learned, I think Trinity was a really good foundation um, for learning to like love the world um, mm -hmm. and also to see really like deep problems with the world. Um, I just, I think reading two novels by Dostoevsky that we spent a huge amount of time on and discussing. Um, you, I, I think I graduated with this sense of the world is deeply flawed and there are deep like abiding like 
problems that um, I can just transcend in my private life through mm. encountering truth, beauty, and goodness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I also, or I had these very lofty plans of like, someday I'll save the world, but I didn't ever actually concretely think about life in terms of problem solving. Um, and it wasn't really until coming to a, going to a school where a lot of students want to like get into policy or like um, consulting or like, like where they, they began thinking about, like I've heard some, like I've began to have to articulate certain problems and issues that someone can take particular steps to solve. Um, I don't know if that was a bad thing, but sometimes I do kind of wish I had this more action-oriented way of looking at the world. Um, Was that your guys' experience at the end of high school? Were you thinking, do you feel like you actually were able to see problems in the world that you concretely wanted to solve? I think that I saw problems in the world and I didn't have a concrete solution. So in that way, not concrete, I wouldn't say I concretely wanted to solve it, but I recognized the problem. And I mean, obviously by the definition of problem, it demands a solution. So yeah, I think, I think that my education secondary and mainly secondary was definitely gave me tools for as Luke Harris says, recognizing the problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I agree with his sentiment of, I see the problem, but maybe I don't exactly know how to fix it. Or I, or I really, I see the um, results of the problem, but don't actually know what the root of the problem is. Yeah, I agree with that. And I feel like I, I do resonate with you, Savannah, how you said, like, you had these, like, plans, like, oh, I'm going to save the world. And I think that, I think a lot of people, especially, like, from Trinity, like, graduate with that, because we have, I think, like, we can kind of see these problems and see, or, like, we know, like, okay, there's something seriously wrong with the world, um, which takes a lot of different forms, Um and I think that through reading things such as um, like the Brothers K or Mind Comp or things like that, we become like more compassionate. And then we get those lofty ideas that we're like, oh, we can save the world because we're compassionate people. Like I remember, I remember it was the last day of 10th grade HL and um, Anne. Uh, who was our teacher, she was asking us, I think she asked us something like, what, what was one thing that radically changed your mind? Like one book that we, or like document book that we read that radically changed your mind about something. And then something like, how has HL10 like changed your life? Something like that. Um, So those were the two questions. And the one thing that a majority of our class said during it, which I think this was like a pinnacle point of our high school career was um, literally probably three quarters of my class said, I learned to look at Hitler as a person and not like this completely evil creature. And so I think that we like, we are able to see these problems and look at these leaders and say like they are a person and like, we're really compassionate towards them. And then that's where we're like, let's do all these problems but then we're like wait 
I don't even know how to solve all the problems in the world. And then it's kind of like, what, like, where does truth, beauty, and goodness fit in that? And yeah, it's like a whole, it's a whole ordeal. Right. So all the things that we're saying is what Luke Harris was feeling. And um, he actually decided, and I think this is so cool and just kind of fun and something that I wish that I would do but it probably wouldn't. Um, he decided to develop a high school curriculum that he thought would solve the problem, this problem of not being able to solve problems after high school. Yeah. Um, the curriculum actually has been tried out by some after school programs in New York. Um, and this news article maybe will be getting the word out even further. Um, so I'm going to read a little clip about the curriculum. Um, so Luke says, the course begins by giving the students a category. For example, oh, this is engineering, by the way. Um, for example, beverages, signpostage, desk space, etc. From there, it teaches students how to conduct ethnographic research and asks them to go to a local establishment and figure out what challenges people face. After gathering data, students use problem-solving techniques and a specific design software to come up with a potential solution or multiple potential solutions. After further research to see if people like their idea, a final prototype is crafted in the shop. So it goes through like the mechanisms of recognizing a problem <coughs> and really understanding like evaluating the problem and understanding what the root of the problem is and going through that process of making some designs, seeing how people like the designs, tweaking the designs based off that. So really going through the actual process of what it means to work as an engineer in the workforce. So this got me thinking, is this an appropriate use of education? Like what is the purpose of education in molding a functioning society and maybe from a different frame what is the role of education in creating citizens of the world okay i just have to say first um i don't really like his curriculum <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not entirely sure why but these are kind of my ideas of why i don't like it but i think there's something deeper at the root here um first I think, um, I feel like that's a good summer camp. <laughs> like maybe you're super interested, like I'm super interested in marketing. I think it's really cool. Um, and I want some hands-on experience, like problem solving in marketing, but I didn't know that I loved marketing when I was in basically any point until last year when I was like mm, that's maybe something I want to try out and then I took a class in it and like completely fell in love mm -hmm. and so I feel like I feel like in order for his curriculum like actually to be good like it probably would need to be with older students and then also they I feel like they should kind of have like okay people hate on gen eds which I really don't understand why. 
like okay like granted (laughs) yes i had like environmental studies i really did not like that class but like it taught me something when i actually work really hard like really really hard i can actually like get a decent grade you know which is like good um but also it's like if you didn't want to do gen ends why did you why did you go to liberal arts school school? (laughs) anyways i just really have a problem with people who complain about gen eds but anyways i think that like he would need to provide like some sort of gen ed type of thing in order for people to kind of see because i would have no idea that i love marketing unless i had to take this gen ed class because it's probably not something that would necessarily high school curriculum i know i'm saying that like he i think that in order for this curriculum to actually work like if a high school used this curriculum i feel like in either like eighth ninth like eighth ninth tenth grade they should provide some sort of gen ed type of thing like type of experience so then you're like oh okay the category that i really want to focus on is engineering because i think that's really interesting because like maybe maybe problem solving will help you but like knowing how to solve somebody's desk space problem is not going to help you if you're like oh shoot i actually don't like engineering and i want to become a theology major yeah no 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 i so and it's it's kind of like asking like so what what are the students that are going to graduate from that school you're gonna your group the people the students that will come out are going to be problem solvers but that's it like they're not going to be people thinking about what kinds of problems they want to solve or what mm-hmm. is important, what problems need to be solved. There's millions and millions. There's an infinite number of problems in our world. But if we try to solve all of them, like I think the most important ones wouldn't ever be solved well. Um, I think, yeah, one of, I was looking through different quotes to like um, share about education. And one of my, I don't know, I just think, I think the problem is with his curriculum goes back to the very first part of the process, which is when they choose the category they want to work in. How are they choosing that category? Like randomly, oh, I like the idea of like desk space. So I'm going to solve that problem. But like, are you actually, do you think that's like, are you actually passionate about desk space? Like, how do you know? You need to learn about desk space first, or you need to like, I per, like I would never have thought I was this, pa- like, so I just applied. I'm, a, I just applied for, like, I'm hoping to go to grad school because I'm really interested in higher education, but I would never have known that I was interested in higher education um, had I not like actually just experienced it without any pressure to like solve any problems or to make a change until just Mm -hmm. this year and now I'm realizing what I want to devote the rest of my life to um but um Hannah Arendt um, a political philosopher wrote uh something called a crisis in education like an art I guess a treatise or something like that and Mm -hmm. um she says education is the point at which we decide whether we love the world enough to assume responsibility for it Mm -hmm. and I think that like you need the like you need to be able to assume that there are responsibilities so you need to be able to problem solve but you need to love the world first yeah Um, and so I think education needs to do both of those and Mm -hmm. so I think that um Luke Harris was really on to something but I think that like there's a really basic element first of like this like I don't know love 
of the world that education also needs to let students do. I don't yeah. know. I agree. I agree with that. I think, um, see, when I read this idea, I thought that I, I agree with the, I'm trying to put this into words. Um, yeah. I think that this would make a poor curriculum as the, like, the uh, foundation of a curriculum. But if you inserted this little mini curriculum with inside, like inside of a bigger curriculum, like imagine with, so the three of us took a class senior year called World Issues. Oh, yeah. um, I loved I that. loved it. I cannot relate. <laughs> um, but imagine, so part of the course was doing a presentation on some sort of issue problem going on in the world imagine oh. if we had done this sort of idea where part of the project was to solve maybe it? not how can we personally solve the problem mind. but how could we like what are people trying to do you guys didn't what you we guys didn't do that part we had I that i just like no one like paid attention to that part I did that. We all, we all did that part. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, we all did that part. So then you have like love oh, of world yeah. and also like, what does it mean to actually fix this problem? Mm. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I think, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that like a good education and I think this is something that is, um, a, okay. My so my roommate she went to public school so this is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is where I'm like getting um actually like my roommate this year my roommate last year both went to public school so like this is where I'm getting this um information um I think that that is something that public schools often lack is like they they don't really teach us to love the world like we were all taught like okay, we're gonna, we're gonna have this sense of wonder and we're gonna look for truth and we're gonna look for beauty and we're gonna look for goodness. And I think especially the looking for beauty part was really like a key component because you saw it like in chemistry and in biology, but you also saw it in Catholic doctrine and in Protestant doctrine and, you know, in math, like who thought math was beautiful? <laughs> like what? I think that's like the one thing, like one thing, if I took away anything from senior year, it is that math is beautiful. And so it teaches us to love all these different parts of like the natural world, but also like the more metaphysical world, I guess. Um, and I feel like public schools don't do that because you're, you're just another student there who's just trying to get that, like they're just trying to get by high school. And like, I don't know, that like, I, yeah, I'm like really frustrated by public like schools so often. That mindset of, I know that your whole, I agree with what you were saying, but just to latch on to one thing you said, and maybe you didn't quite mean this, but um, the mindset of just trying to get by is such a romanticized thing that I don't think a lot of high school students actually feel from the people that I know, that is what they felt. Like they were just, they were literally just trying to get, like so many people that I know, they were literally just trying to get through high school 
And then they, because that was their mindset, um, and not like, not trying to get by like, oh, just trying to pass classes. I'm like, it's fine if we pass with a C, but just like, they didn't love anything that they were learning. Mm -hmm. And even if they had electives, they really didn't love anything that they were learning. Um, Yeah. No, no, it's, I mean, I don't know. Well, no, I mean, I think some of my college friends have expressed that, but like, it's weird to see how many college students have that. Yes. Which is yeah. frightening because you're actually studying. You should be studying. Well, I mean, technically you should do something at least that you like are choosing freely. Um, mm-hmm. but the amount of like complaining on college campuses. Okay, wait, pause. Really fast. Yeah. You're talking about memory. I mean, of about like memories of like in high school of seeing beauty. Um, I could not stop thinking about Noah in. I was thinking the same thing. In the video. Yeah. 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 Okay. Because as soon as I said that, I was like, our high school has a trailer. And um, we'll link it. Actually, both Savannah and I are in that. Oh, I forgot you were in it. And my thing that I said was be prepared to find beauty in unexpected places or something like that. Yeah, um, we'll 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 link that <laughs> show description soon. And I said the structure of DNA. I remember when I walked to Latin class after that, um, Mr. Peasy was like, "Let's let's address the elephant in the room." Noah, you didn't say Latin was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." I do remember yeah. you saying that, like the Constitution was beautiful, and I was like, "Wow, that was pretty deep." that's funny yeah but definitely I mean I think okay this is something I've literally brought up like three times in the past like five days is the fact because this is really bothering me is the fact that people okay first of all complain about gen eds but we already talked about that but then second of all like there's this um culture of complaint on college campuses And I think it's because so many, so many college students, like, I just hear, like, literally, oh, yeah, I'm just trying to pass with a C minus. And like, okay, to be, to be real here, that was maybe, maybe, maybe possibly my um, mindset with environmental studies, but it came to that point, everybody, where I was like, you know, like, we're, we're just like we are really just trying to scrape by here because like I'm so bad at science um but then but then like I I literally I just talked to my professor and I was like I I don't like this class I literally was like I don't like this class and I really don't understand it and I don't understand the big picture and I don't know how to study for it and the tests are so hard and blah 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 blah, blah. and I'm like and I study since day one and all these things And she was like, okay, that's fine. Like, you're gonna have to work really, really hard to do well in this class, but I have confidence that you can do it because look at these other things that you have done. Like you can do this. I love supportive professors. I know. Can I just say And I was like, (laughs) I was like, okay, Dr. Stephanie, like we are doing it for you. And so I like, I mean, okay, this is not like a good job, Beck Joy, like you worked really hard, but like, I'm just saying like, it works. Like having a supportive professor and just like speaking your mind and just being like, I honestly don't like this class. Like they just, they just want to see you succeed. They really just want to see you succeed. 
And like, they are going to help you. Like they will literally do anything to help you. And like, people just don't realize that. And so then they go around moping and complaining because they think their professor hates them. But I highly doubt their professor hates them. And I highly doubt that their class is like as bad as they make it out to be. They just like put some effort into it, folks. That's all I have to say. You know, that makes me wonder though, because like the how impoverishing grades are of us mm-hmm. in like our, like in the joy of, of learning. Just because yeah. when you said like, I'm just trying to get through with a C minus, I'm like, you know, like students on my campus have the same problem, but like my roommate is a pre-med student. So she's trying to get into like the best medical school possible. She's like, I'm just trying to get by with a 95% on my exam. And like one time she, like, I went, I was like, saw her in the gym and she was like miserable and she was running oh my as far as she treadmill. And I was like, Jordan, are you okay? What's up? And she's like, on my chemistry exam, I got like a 96%. And I was like, it's, that's, that's. I am so sorry that you got an I'm I'm impressed that you got an (laughs) And she's so passionate about what she's studying. She loves it. She's brilliant. She works in a cancer research lab where her, like her, like mentor is being considered for like a Nobel prize in like, yeah. And she has her whole life. She's like a professional, semi-professional baker. She's like loves poetry. She reads Shakespeare. And yet she's always so stressed out. And, um, and it's because of like, like she, there's a standard that you have to meet Mm -hmm. and like, because of the unsurety of meeting that standard, I don't know what it does to students, but yeah, it creates a culture of complaining. Yeah. And at the same time, I don't want to get rid of, what are your guys' takes on grades? Because I don't, personally, they drive me, but also they mm-hmm. I think, like imp- impoverish students in a way. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Well, fun fact to all our listeners, um, the three of us at our school were always high told, school. high school, grades don't matter. You know what should be graded? Eggs, meat, nuts. Yeah, Mr. 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 Balsba. Or this is this is like a Dr. Hanley and Mr. Balsba quote. Grades are for eggs, nuts, and meat. Which I really I'm really here for that. So I I went through seventh to twelfth grade only seeing my grades twice. Once when my mom showed me. Uh, I don't remember why she showed me, but she did. And once when I put it onto my college transcript, mm-hmm. um, when my mom went to oh, yeah. parent-teacher conferences, she they handed her the grades and she didn't even look at them or she would look at them and then hand them back and say, can you shred these please? Yeah, so, Ms. Soriano always came through with that one. <laughs> so we, and I think that was, I mean, our mom always told us that if we were not doing really well in a class, she would let us know. Yeah, because so they, would send, like, they would send like yeah. slips to parents saying like, your child is not doing well in whatever. biology yeah. or whatever. So I think that was really nice to not mm-hmm. have to, I mean, and they didn't, teachers, I almost said professors, didn't <laughs> put grades. They did put like blank out of blank, like, you know, 80 out of 100 or whatever it was, but they didn't put grades like letter grades yeah. yeah letter grades and I really appreciated that even though sometimes I would like figure out the letter grade in my head or stuff like that it was nice to one 
know that if I was doing really bad, someone would tell me, but mm -hmm. not have to worry about meeting a specific quota. Also, I don't know if you guys ever explained or experienced this, but it seemed like for a majority of my Trinity career, because we never saw our grades, there was never that like there was it was never a competition education was never a competition yeah and like yeah people complained but it was never it really rarely was like oh i got an 80 and then someone was like oh i got a 98 like oh right. but, side note was really nice also because becca joy and i are so close in age to not mm -hmm. have that competition mm -hmm. between our class and then would bound to be between us too yeah so i agree but i agree savannah what that your statement that it's both hindering but in some ways drives you too um because i can relate to that especially now that i'm in college and also considering further education i mean part of the reason i'm driven by it is because i need to have a good grade point average to get into a master's program mm -hmm. um like i um but yeah i can see how it can be hindering and um, so I took chemistry sophomore year and that was a, wow, big fail. Clearly um, sophomore year in college was fantastic for the both of us. It was really <laughs> awful. Um, freshman year, I was taking it with my friend Kirk and I were in the same course. Um, <coughs> and on almost all of the tests, the class average was like below 70. Mm, we love that. So side note says way more about the professor than us. Um, no, he did not curve it. Um, <laughs> um oh my gosh sorry that just reminded me in ninth grade when this aren't tried to explain the call like the grading curve to right. us and we were all like that's the first the dumbest thing i've ever heard and also second what she literally spent an hour of class explaining it and we were all like that just went way over our heads i still don't really understand but so then the next semester i ended up taking a pass fail because i was like i can't have another low grade on my transcript when applying to so like i definitely relate and i'm sure everyone <laughs> relates to the it's so debilitating in some ways and almost it puts too much pressure on. And I feel like that's such a cliche, like grades cause too much pressure on children. <laughs> I, okay. I am definitely against grades. Um, I like Noah, I never saw my grades from seventh to 12th grade. I saw one letter grade. And then I guess I probably saw it when I put out my transcript, but honestly, yeah it was <laughs> but i honestly like i honestly do not i like didn't remember like five minutes after because i have the worst memory ever but um yeah so i only saw my grades twice i guess as well um and then i didn't look at my my roommate in particular last year um she was kind of like your roommate savannah except she at that point had not declared her major yet but she was still she's a she's a first generation college student um so it was super super difficult on her um and so i kind of because of that i i really like being countercultural and so i had this whole countercultural um like fight that i was going on where i just like i would intentionally never look at my grades 
And so I only looked at my grades at the end of first and at the end of second semester. And that was the only time. Um, and I would, I mean, I would look at my midterm grades, like we get, it's like satisfactory something and something. So like good or like great, good, bad. Um, and I would look at those that I like had an idea of how I was doing in class. But I think that was one thing that Trinity taught us is like how to gauge how well you are doing in class, or at least I feel like I'm pretty good at knowing how I'm doing anyways. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of have tried my hardest to continue that, um, like countercultural thing where like not looking at my grades and really not trying to be defined by my grades because they honestly, they don't really push me. Like I look at them and they don't, I'm like, okay, that's what I got. That's kind of what I was expecting to get. And the, I mean, the only time that it really did push me was environmental studies, but the bigger push was, I really do not want to take this class again. <laughs> and that was like, that was probably the biggest push. And then grades is definitely the secondary thing. Um, and I think even like, my my roommate and I um so we're both theology majors and um we were taking a class together this semester and um saying saying your grade on your paper or your exam or your quiz was always optional but it also like it became more of like a helping thing honestly because like the grades would pop up on our quiz like when we were done um but again, it was always like, oh yeah, I expected that. Like I expected to do that good or that poorly, um, whatever it is. And so I think that for me, like I don't like grades because they honestly, I feel like they don't teach people to measure where they're at and how well they're doing. And also like people get way too defined by them. And like, it's fine to be pushed by them, but I just like, I prefer to just kind of intuitively say like, I know that I'm, I mean, I can't say like, I know I'm about how to be in this class or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just, you kind of, you kind of get to know like where you are at. And I, I just think that's a really helpful skill in life as well. Yeah, I think bringing like grades back to the question of what is the role of education in creating a functioning society in that sense, like you're saying, you're not going to get a grade at your job. Like your, yeah. your employer is not going to say, okay, Becca Joy, for this week's work, I'm giving you an A plus. Congratulations. <laughs> like you don't get gold stars in the real world. Right. Like, I mean, you might get bonuses, but yeah. So it's, I, I like what you're saying. I think it's important to be able to feel out and know where you are, like how well you're performing. Um, not that like, Okay, I just realized what I said could be taken in a really weird way. Not that like you need to be the perfect working bee yeah. in society. And I don't think that that's the role of education. I don't think the role of education is to create little machines that just do the work, oh, keep their head down and, you know, like. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you should finish your thoughts. I have a response. Um, I think that's it. Nice. I so agree. Um, idealistically. Um, I just, okay. So now, okay. This makes me want to ask you moving on. The follow-up question to this is, um, like how does educate education shapes how we see this, like the world and like problems mm -hmm. in the world, but it also shapes how we see ourselves. 
And I think that my need for grades to like define me, like was restarted in like fifth grade. Um, when I had my favorite teacher ever, Mrs. Cullen, who gave us Jolly Ranchers and <laughs> gave me A pluses. And so I was like, oh my goodness, if Mrs. Cullen gives me A pluses, she must love me. And so I created grades for the rest of my life with good grades with, oh, the teacher loves me and the teacher loves me because I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there is a moral value assigned with mm-hmm. grades. But I yeah. think... Um, I was just read this article on performativity in the university and um and it was regarding um they said that so for undergraduates it's a it's symbol like the performative culture is symbolic of the rest of our society and they said that's partly the fact that universities exist in like democracies and it, they described it as a neoliberal you know like the existence of the neoliberal university in this article he, his claim was that professors and students need to produce knowledge or produce results in a commodified way. And so because everything is completely democratic, you have to, there's almost a capitalistic structure to it in a way where you have to kind of fight your way to the top. That was this author's claim. And um, grades are just one form of social capital that you need to like, if so, if I get my grades are like a currency. And so I'm going to submit that, like I should give that to a scholarship. The scholarship pays for education. It's like just this cycle. Um, the question is, is that really reflective of society? And I think Noah's claim is that it's not because um, workplaces aren't about performance. They're actually like about collaborate, collaboration and integrity and having like a strong work ethic but also mm-hmm. being able to take care of yourself too. Um, so I think there's I think there's less performativity than the culture of universities claim that there is perhaps as communicated by grades. Yeah, that's really interesting. I've never really thought of like um, grades as a currency. I think it makes sense. Um, I'm not really sure if it is totally reflective of society but I think they're kind of like that structure is within the university system and like a structure where like, I mean, you automatically better are better like if you have a better um, grade point average or like went to a better school or like so many people, which this is like the bane of my existence. So many people are like- I think you say that every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so many people are like, what are you going to do with your theology major and like not like they okay one person did ask me yesterday she was like so what are you going to do with your career but it was like a gen it was a like I could feel that it was a genuine like so what are like what are you actually going to do with this um and we had a good discussion about theology and stuff but um so many people are like why are you doing that like you're not going to get money and I'm like (laughs) I don't care if I get money. <laughs> I hope you say it that, Braddy. I don't care if I get money. <laughs> Literally, like, every single time somebody says, mentions something with theology, church, and money, I literally just want to say that, Braddy. I don't care. I Like, I would not be getting a theology major if I actually cared if I got money. Like I would probably be doing marketing because also like marketing is something that like 
comes pretty naturally to me. And so like that, like if I did, I don't know, it just like, it really makes me mad how like, okay, yes, education is important. Like getting an, getting an education is important. Getting a, a degree, I think that is important. I don't think people like go to a trade school, go to university, go to what you want to. But I think you were saying this like a way while back, Spain, like do something that you actually find interesting and like do something that you actually genuinely maybe think if I don't get like if I don't become the next billionaire in America, I don't care because I love what I am doing and I am passionate about what I'm doing. And maybe the options are limited. But literally, like yesterday, I was listening. I was listening to a podcast, and this girl, she had gotten her theology major from Franciscan, and now she is an entrepreneur and owns three companies that are doing very well. Yeah, I like it's talked, it's a possibility. I think we oh. talked about how like how your major doesn't dictate your life. Yeah, like people need to know that because I think also like. We might know that, but like older generations don't necessarily see that. Yeah. And like, it's so, it's so frustrating to me. Um, do you yeah. think, um, as we're kind of wrapping up here and giving final thoughts, I, I don't necessarily need a full answer to this, but for some reason, something you said made me think, what even, like, why even, get an education like what is the good of getting an education for mm -hmm. um and not and not in a way of like screw education i'm jumping out of college but more like seriously like still think i mean i don't think that we've gotten like, close to answering this question be part of because it's so complicated of we i mean this yeah. conversation has gone so many different directions which is really fun but I feel like we're not even close to answering the question, what is the purpose of education? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I think we could keep talking for like another like hour three, or yeah. two. <laughs> or three. So, I mean, I don't think we should do that. So let's like have some final thoughts. Um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't need to feel final, but just like, what are you thinking right now? I guess I think, I think we should get an education because I do think that it does I think a good education teaches somebody how to think and it also teaches them um, to recognize beauty and to kind of like recognize like recognize the world around them. Um, David Foster Wallace has a really good talk, I guess, called This is Water. Um, we can link that in the show notes. Um, and it's really good. And it's kind of like recognizing that we that we live in this world and like recognizing the people around you. Um, and I think, I think good educators should show that video, but um, I think that, I think education just kind of teaches you that um, and teaches you that you, like you do live in a world with problems and with people and like, we need to be compassionate um, and we need to, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to end saying like love the people around us, but like we need to realize that they are also going through things. And um, yeah, I think a good education also dream complaint. So, yeah. What do you think, Savannah? I love that. Um, hmm. Dr. Joy, that reminded me of the like 
I wish I could read you all of the quotes that I found, but um, one of- I'm sure they're wonderful. Oh, yes, yes. And, <laughs> um, but one of them is from one of my favorite books. It's called The Supper of the Lamb. And it was recommended to me by Mr. Balsba, um, written by an Anglican priest. And um, he says, um, at one point he says, um, there then is the role of the amateur to look at the world back to grace. And he brings like the word amateur to the very, like he used like the idea of someone who's just a, like a lover. They aren't very good at what they love, but like they love it. And um, I just think that like to create, like, I guess people who love the world in their own unique, incredible ways and can see things in the world. I think that's a huge, a beautiful thing that education can do. Um, but I think, I think an important, I think one of the greatest tragedies too of um, human life, it would be to continue to like stop having the mindset of a learner. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think spending <coughs> structured time in your life where you are, where you get really comfortable with being uncomfortable that's not my quote, that's a Trinity teachers, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I think that that is one, the best educate, that's like the best result of education. Um, I think when you can, the moment when I realized that I left the, when Plato talks about leaving the cave, and so I thought, wow, like, Plato had it, like, Plato is like the end all be all. And the moment when I felt like I left the cave that Plato, that I was in the, of Plato's cave mm -hmm. and realized where I disagreed with Plato and I needed to keep learning was the moment when I realized education is so infinite. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think if you can graduate being a lifelong learner at the end, I think you'll be in a pretty good spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. I, I think that one of the roles of education that we haven't really touched on is just teaching you how to be a human being and it kind of guiding you along the way guiding you let me rephrase that um showing you how the world works and both natural physical um spiritual and letting you like kind of opening the doors to you um like you said savannah it's like like it's leading you out of the cave, but showing you that there's so much more to discover beyond the cave. And I, I like the idea of, I kind of like that platonic idea of you got to learn everything first. Like you have to learn what to expect, but then go out there and at the same time still expect to be completely blown away. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just like fundamentally, fundamentally, the role of education is to teach us how to be human beings in the world. And that's why I like this phrasing of the question, what does it mean to be, or sorry, what is the role of education in creating citizens of the world? Mm -hmm. And less of like a functioning oil machine society and just like how to be human. I think yeah, we've talked about that a few times on this podcast, and I'm thinking particularly of our mini series on what is the meaning of life mm -hmm. um, and how 
um, specifically, I was thinking about spirituality and religion and how important that is for being a human being. Mm -hmm. And we both, we came to the conclusion that we're both like, I mean, yes, ultimately at Christians, we want the message of Jesus to be in everybody's hearts. Mm -hmm. But really what matters is that you have a spiritual, like a spirituality. Um, and that I think is important. I don't know um, exactly how I got there on this train of thought, but that's where I came to. Um, Let's do, I want to do book nut. Oh my gosh. I think we should. So welcome to Beck, Joy, Noah, and Savannah's book nook. Um, I can start my book that will be added to our book nook is right here. It's called uh, The Risk of Education, Discovering Our Ultimate Destiny by Luigi Giussani. That's such a good name. Yeah, um, it's so good. I read it this semester. It made me very passionate about education. Um, and yeah, he just, he talks a lot like freedom, um, obviously education, kind of the role of an educator. What is an educator? What makes a good educator? Um, it's so good literally like the first five pages are just like worth buying the book it's so good so that is what is going into my book nook today what about you savannah oh that sounds yeah that's on my book list now um i just finished a book last night actually that i really enjoyed called reading lolita in tehran um and it's written by uh, a woman named azar nafisi and she is she was a professor who taught American literature in Iran during the Islamic Republic of Iran and during like the Iraq-Irani war. And um, it's just, it's stunning. Like she's just a beautiful writer. Her prose mm -hmm. is just poetry and prose at the same time. Um, <laughs> and, um, but she it really, she really gets at the question of like, what does it mean to read literature? and what is the role of literature and teaching literature um, in a totalitarian regime. Um, and she actually recently wrote another book called Republic of Imagination because she then moved to the United States because um, she stopped teaching in Iran because she refused to wear the veil, um, which is Islamic Republic of Iran forced women to wear veils and she wouldn't do it because she wasn't Muslim. So she wanted freedom of religion. Hmm. Um, so she moved to the US and then she's written another book on what it means to read in a free democracy. So you have in a totalitarian regime and the role of literature democracy. And it's equally important, but for different reasons. Whoa. That's such a good- Both um, are literally going on. That's such a good um, like, teaser for our Sorry. conversation next week we're talking about reading on the podcast oh, yeah. um <laughs> so thank you for accidentally doing that but that that sounds a really interesting like a really interesting book um my book nook again we always look at the bookshelf <laughs> here we can show savannah since we're video calling her right Ooh, impressive oh i see lots of particularly books. the yeah. like higher ones. yeah we always look to the bookshelf for inspiration <laughs> um, yeah. i'm actually seeing a book up there that i really enjoyed if you're interested in language and linguistics and you want a really easy and fun introduction to the world of language and linguistics 
um, a book by David Crystal called A Little Book of Language. Um, it's really lighthearted and talks a lot about really interesting topics in linguistics. Um, I read it, uh, I think like junior or senior year of high school and really enjoyed it. But um, that has been it for this podcast. Savannah, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to have you on here and to have you participate in this fun conversation about education. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me. That was good. Mm -hmm. um, so you can, what, what should we leave our listeners with today? Um, I wanna hear about people's like experience in education. Yeah, we talked a lot about public school and comparing that to our private school education. So we'd love to hear about your experience of education in high school and in college and also how you are challenging the culture of complaining also or maybe you're indulging in it yeah that too so you can hit us up at uh, instagram on instagram at clueless underscore content or go ahead and send us an email at cluecopodcast (laughs) at gmail.com yeah Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Yep. Peace out. You don't have to hang on. Uh, uh, Stop uh. recording.